Hey everybody, welcome to another chapter of the Book of Sean, people. I'm back from Atlanta. <laughs> I'm no longer going rogue. I had a good time in Atlanta, by the way. A lot of good food in Atlanta. You can gain a lot of weight messing around with Atlanta, okay? I'm just saying. Whew! It was hot too, people. I live in LA, and it's been hot here, but the southern heat hits you differently. You know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I'm back in the studio. I got a great show for you tonight. My sister Brandy is here. And I can't wait. Look at that smile. Look at that. 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 She looks great. I love big smiles. She's here tonight. We're going to talk about her journey. She has a journey to talk about, all right? With weight and self-esteem and body image and love, self-love and acceptance, all of that. And coming into the fullness of who you are and being at a different place in your life than where you used to be, okay? But being able to tell the story to help other people, but also tell the story to remind yourself that you better not go back there. Y'all, y'all, we cooking with hot grease tonight, people. It's gonna be a great show. She's amazing, you're amazing, I'm amazing too. <laughs> We're gonna have a good show, okay? We're gonna do some Ask Dr. Sean later, uh, but we always start with some headlines. So, you know, highly play the bumper. <laughs> all right, people, okay. Let's talk about Bill Gates, all right? Listen to this, Brandy, listen to this story, okay? Brandy, you come and get me if I fall. If I go in too deep, you just reach to the screen and pull me back out. Recently, we, I read a story, and I'm sure some of you have seen it, where Bill Gates says he no longer wants to be one of the richest people in the world. Okay? And I thought to myself, these are definitely rich white people problems. <laughs> what? You don't want to be one of the richest? He doesn't want to be on the richest people in the world list. Okay, of all the lists that I don't, I can think of some lists that I don't want to be on, that I'm probably on, but this ain't one of them, okay? I, I have no desire not to be one of the richest people in the world. I don't even understand this. I mean, somebody help me fathom the, the, the logic of this. this I, I cannot wrap my mind around the absence of the desire to want to be so financially secure that you don't have to worry about anything. I've never had that, people, okay? I want that. <laughs> if you want it, say amen. <laughs> Clap your hands or something, okay? There you go. Brandy's clapping our hands. I love Brandy already. I'm just saying, man, Bill Gates doesn't want to be on the list. And, and look, I, 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 don't even, I don't get it. Now, here's what I know. I do understand that Bill Gates is trying to... Um, He's trying to give away his money. So apparently Bill Gates is giving a lot of his money to his foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and he plans on moving about $20 billion into that foundation. And I celebrate that, right? Who doesn't celebrate, you know, rich people wanting to be, wanting to be philanthropists and giving money to help people? In fact, a friend of mine, that not my friend, I, I mentor him, he got a Bill and Melinda Gates scholarship. And a Bill and Melinda Gates scholarship pays for your education from start to finish your four-year degree, your master's, and your doctoral level for books, room, and board, and tuition. You never have to pay a dime. I mean, a Bill and Melinda Gates scholarship is a big deal. My friend, whose name I can't mention right on TV, will never have to pay another thing for education. Not a cent. And thanks that's thanks to Bill and Melinda Gates. So I get it, okay? And, and, I, and I believe, I, I, I totally believe that, you know, it's important to give money away. And, and they want to give... Uh, about $9 billion away, okay? They want to give about $9 would it be? $9 billion a year they want to start giving away. And, and, and I'm all for it, okay? I'm all for giving. But let me just say this. Y'all pray for me because I'm not all the way delivered. I'm saved, but I ain't all the way delivered. Y'all pray for me because Dr. Sean ain't giving all his money away. <laughs> no, 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 no. The Spirit of Christ has not told me that. No. No, Jesus would have to come down and sit on this stage right here in full manifestation with his black skin and his curly locks, you know what I'm saying? And his pearly white teeth and his flaming eyes. He'd have to sit right here, black Jesus. And he better be black because white Jesus can't get me to do nothing. Okay, <laughs> black Jesus, whoo, and, he, and he'd have to work hard at it. I'm not giving all my money away, people, okay? And I, I, know, I know a lot of people don't like billionaires, and a lot of y'all think the world shouldn't have billionaires. Billionaires is what's wrong with the world. I, 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 I'm just not one of those people, and I'm trying to be one of them. Okay? 
I'm trying to be one. I'm about to play the lottery right after this show. <laughs> as soon as this show's over, I'm going to play the lottery, okay? Because I want to be there, okay? If, he, if, if Bill Gates wants to give all his money away, I totally understand. I affirm what he's trying to do. I, I, if he doesn't want it, then I just want to say I'm more than willing to take it off his hands because I don't want anybody to have to do something or be something that they don't want to be. And so, Bill Gates, if you're watching, I offer myself up to help you with this problem, okay? If you no longer want to be one of the richest people in the world, I am volunteering to help you because I don't believe you should have to do something you don't want to do, okay? And if you have something that you no longer appreciate, uh, I'm definitely someone and a bunch of us watching, we can certainly appreciate something that now you take for granted. And that's the moral of the story. It's amazing how people can have what you've been waiting for and they treat it like it ain't even nothing. Oh, I'm teaching now. Lean in. <laughs> I'm trying to get you to understand. It's amazing how people can have a marriage and a relationship and children. And other people would kill to have what you have. And you sit around and treat it like it ain't nothing. Sometimes you ought to spend some time with people who are still waiting for the thing that you are now taking for granted. I know you didn't see that coming, but that's what I do. <laughs> Stay with me, Brandy. I'm coming to you, okay? Stay with me. I got a few more. Let's talk about birth rates, okay? Let's talk about having babies. Yes, having babies, the birds and the bees, the apples and the seeds. You know how it goes? I don't, he doesn't know. He's like 12. All right, anyway. Um, so it, it, birth rates in the United States have been trending down for the past 15 years. But we found out recently that the number of birth births, <laughs> get my words right, actually rose in 2021. Come on, let's all give each other a round of applause. So in 2021, Americans had more babies. And I wonder what was happening in 2021. I wonder what was going on in 2021 that made Americans want to have more babies. Let's think about this. Huh. What happened in 2020? A pandemic. And in 2021, we were still in the house. Yes, we were. And you know what y'all was doing in the house? A lot of touchy-touchy. This is a daytime TV show, so I have to be PG. We're just going to call it touchy-touchy. <laughs> a lot of touchy-touchy going on in 2021. And thanks to all of you... The birth rates in the country went up. Okay? So thank all, I want to thank all of you, you know, for increasing the birth rates of Americans uh, because apparently you can't have a country without people. <laughs> so you know, apparently we need a little level of touchy-touchy, okay? So God bless your ministry for that. But, but, but here's the ironic thing. Check this out. Listen to this. This is going to shock and amaze you. Birth rates in the United States fell to a record low in 2020. So in 2020, you all were too scared of the pandemic and y'all y'all the one doing no touchy-touchy in 2020. In 2020, y'all was like, what in the world is going on with the world? We're all going to die. But as soon as 2021 came around, y'all was like, we're not going to die and you need to come over here. <laughs> We're going to live. So you need to lay down right here. <laughs> Shout out to all of you who uh, have pandemic babies because you added to the birth rate. And uh, it's exciting. We, 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 we need babies. Um, so, but let me say this real quick before I move on. So the moral, of, there's two morals of the story. The first moral of the story is a lot of touchy-touchy leads to babies, okay? So the next time you have touchy-touchy, don't be surprised if a little baby come out of that because that, that might happen, Okay. I'm, I'm, I, this is my public service announcement. You don't get to act like you didn't know this was possible. Okay, it can happen. But here's the other thing. Here's the, other, here's the second moral of the story. You know, and I love babies, by the way. Who doesn't love babies? Except for the first four months when they won't go to sleep. Then they can be a little hard to love. But after you get past that first four months, babies are great. Okay? But here's the thing. Okay? Now that we have more babies, you ready for this? We're about to turn left. We should probably figure out how we're going to feed them. Come on now, because we ain't even got no formula in the country. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now that we have more babies, we should probably figure out how we're going to educate them better. Because education in this country is terrible. We got, we got eighth graders reading at third grade levels. Huh? Most black boys don't read at, the, at their grade level. So now that we're making all these babies, a lot of touchy-touchy, we should probably figure out as a society how we're going to make sure that these kids are protected from school shootings. Come on, go with me. Come on, go with me. You know you want to go, so just go on with me. 
Because I, 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 having a baby and sending my kid to school and my kid getting killed at school, that, that, ain't, how this supposed, that ain't how this movie's supposed to go. Here's what I've learned. And I, I'm, not, I'm not an old man, thank God. <laughs> and I'm not a young man either. I'm somewhere in the middle, okay? Here's, and here's what I know. I know that making a baby is the easy part. The touchy-touchy is the easy part. The hard part is raising that kid to be a decent human being that knows how to care about other people, respect and love him or herself, huh? to walk in the direction of their destiny with security and confidence and to be a contributing, contributing rather, member of society. That's the hard part. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that we got more babies, but I'm not impressed because that wasn't that hard to do. A little creature craving, <laughs> a little you cute, I'm cute. Now we got to do the hard work. So good luck to all of you who have more babies and more kids because you got at least 18 years of hard work ahead of you. You know, my kids, both of my sons are 30, and they're still, they're still, every now and then, they still make me want to drink something with dark liquor in it. <laughs> so good luck, okay? I'm praying for you people. The Pope was around. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about Generation Z. All right, this is an interesting story, all right? So, a recent study found out that nearly a third of Americans between the ages of 18 and 25 are living at home with their parents or some relative. Generation Z. Good old Generation Z. We love y'all, by the way. Generation X, we love you Generation Z people. We just talked about the pandemic, right? And what, what we found out is that and all of us know some, some young person, right, who when the pandemic hit, they ran back home. Like, Half the Generation Z people that I know, as soon as the pandemic hit or when, we, when people realized it was going to be longer than six months, oh, they beelined it back home, okay? They went to the pandemic and they moved into their parents' house to ride it out, which was logical and it made sense because, you know, why am I paying rent to be in a place that I only moved to to go out and have fun and we can't go out and have fun? I can be bored in my mama's house for free. You, you got to give it to the Gen Xs because they, they figured it out. All right, but here's what we found out. Apparently, most of them ain't leaving. <laughs> they moved into their parents' house, and they plan on staying in their parents' house. Zillow, which is the apartment renting website and app, found out that in the United States, 2 million people, check this out, 2 million people moved back in with a parent or a grandparent just in the months of March and April alone in 2020. 2 million people moved back home just in March and April. That's when the pandemic started, right? We're not even counting the rest of the year. Sheesh. But for most people in this country, the biggest bill that you have is your rent or your mortgage. For most people in this country, the most expensive thing that you have to deal with is your rent or your mortgage because housing in America has become unbearably expensive. And if you think homelessness is a problem in America now, just wait until you see what happens if the price of housing in this country continues to go up. You think we got homelessness now? Stick around a little bit and let housing. I just, I just read about how housing in New York is doubling and tripling. And people that moved into apartments that they could afford during the pandemic, the rent's going up $2,000. See, when your rent costs more and your food costs more and your gas costs more, but your salary hasn't changed, it's a recipe for a disaster. That's what a lot of Gen, Gen Xers, Gen Xers too, by the way, not just Gen Z, Gen Xers, Millennials, Gen, uh, we're all living there. And in the same way that I don't think there should be a limit on how much money somebody should make, I also think that there should be a safety net below which no citizen in this country should be allowed to fall beneath. I think opportunity should be endless, but there ought to be a safety net, a security, so that people are not financially insecure. We live in a country where we spend $56 billion on bombs. I just told you that Bill Gates is going to give away $20 billion and not even miss it. So explain to me why. Why can't we do that and also make sure that housing is affordable in America? Don't tell me we can't do both. Why, why do I have to choose? I shouldn't have to choose. There's enough money in this country for us to make sure that we are protected with great defense and that people who are 25 years old don't have to be homeless because they can't afford to rent. I think we can have both. 
I think we better have both or we're going to have more problems than we realize. All right, let me do one more before I take this break. All right, I only got a minute. Brandy, I only got a minute before I take this break. Let's see how fast I can do this. So, um, speaking of helping people, um, the nation's first experimental program to feed every uh, child in public school is about to end this summer. So, during the pandemic in 2020, uh, the pro- this program was launched to stem the tide of hunger among American children in that year. Um, and the bill that allowed it to happen is about to expire, and the funding is about to run out. So that by the end of the summer, this monumental program, which endeavored to feed every single child in school, is about to run out. So even before the pandemic started, you need to understand um, that more than half of school children came um, out of the house, came out of homes, rather, where they needed to have meals supplemented for them. 20 million meals were provided in this program because more kids are food insecure than you would ever imagine or even know. Thankfully, the Democrats are working to make sure that this bill is codified and that it extends permanently. And while they can make it permit, permanent, rather, they're having a hard time making it universal. And what that means is this, is that, you know, this is exactly what I've been talking about in, in, in this opening, is that we have to be a country that can do two things at once, right? We have to be a country that can provide... Uh, great wealth and great opportunity, but we also have to be a country that feeds its children. Why, why can't we have great wealth and also be able to feed our children? I think, I think in a country where there's great wealth, hungry children is a sin. It's a moral crime. You can't be as rich as we are and have hungry kids. How does that even happen? How does that even happen? And since we can't guarantee parents an annual income, why don't we work to guarantee, guarantee children a daily meal? How about we do that? If your parent can't get an annual, have a guaranteed annual income, your children, your child, at least ought to be guaranteed a daily meal. I think whatever, listen, I'm done with this, but I think whatever it costs to feed children, we ought to be willing to pay. And if you're not willing to pay it, you're going to hell. And you should. I'm just going to let it sink in. <laughs> a little pregnant pause. Whatever it costs to feed, a hung, feed America's children, we ought to be willing to pay. And if you ain't willing to pay to feed hungry kids, you should go to hell. <laughs> you should be in the lake fire. <sighs> Trina's going to text me later for saying that. All right. In Europe, some countries like Switzerland have a 98% literacy level. Right? Why can't we have in this country that 90, 98% or 90% of our children in this country are fed? Why can't we do that? Tell me why. Seriously, tell me why. If Switzerland can have a 98% literacy level, level, why can't we have 98% of our children that are no longer food insecure? We have a moral obligation to do this, people. Okay? We owe it to ourselves and we owe it to our children. And it may not be easy and it may not be cheap. And it may not be popular, but I promise you, it will be right. And some things ought to be done for no other reason other than that. All right, I'm done. When we come back, we're going to talk to Brandy about her journey, her story. Um, Listen, get ready, people. This is going to be emotional. This is going to be real. It's going to be good because um, you're going to get to meet a woman who has struggled, but a woman who has overcome struggle and a woman who is here today. Uh, to give us both sides of that story. And it's going to bless you. Because that's what I do. I aim to bless you. You're going to be blessed. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. None of us dropped down out of heaven, okay? All of us climbed up out of hell. We all came up from the mud. We all got a story. We all come from somewhere. And my guest tonight is no different. The woman you're about to meet is not the little girl that she used to be. And tonight we're going to have a conversation with both sides of who she is. Part of this conversation is going to be me talking to this brilliant, beautiful black woman. But a part of this conversation, I'm going to talk to that little girl. I want to meet both of them. Here's what I know for sure. You can't celebrate the woman until you heal the little girl. Welcome to the show tonight. Brandy J. Hey, Brandy. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming on tonight. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. It is my pleasure. It is my honor. Um, I'm looking forward to this conversation. I'm looking forward just to, you know, just getting, getting, getting a, for lack of a better way to say it, a taste of your heart and your journey. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I believe that black women are the eighth wonders of the world. 
and what yes and, we are if, come on and what you guys have to go through <laughs> woo and so and so 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 here's what i know for sure i know that you are not what and who you used to be um that that in a lot of ways you've matured and grown out of some things but for the sake of the viewers who don't know your story um i need to start in the past okay i promise you we're gonna get oh lord yeah yeah I, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That's why, that's why I'm building this up, to make you comfortable with it, so that you understand that we're not going to spend all our time there. Um, but, okay. but the viewers need to know, you know, who is this woman that sits before us tonight? Um, and, 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 he, and here's what my viewers don't know, um, and, and, you, and you complete this. You were bullied when you were a little girl. T tell, yes. t tell everybody, talk about that. Well, I was bullied by family members starting out uh, because of my weight. I was the, the youngest, so I was, you know, curvy, big, whatever. And I was bullied by, you know, family members. And then it started to go outside of the home and school, you know, middle, you know, elementary school kids can be so mean. So I was always big, you know, bullied. Oh, I think that's Easter. But I was bullied. And then, you know, I was given the nickname by certain family members, Miss Piggy, mm. as a way to make me feel less than because of my size growing up. Mm. Mm. Tell, tell, I mean, just, just, just for the sake of this conversation, allow yourself to go back to, to, to that part of your life and who you were. And, and so when, when you're branded this way, when, you, when your name called this way, what does that do to you as, as a child? Wow, that really, I didn't like myself. I didn't like myself. I didn't think my family members love me. And so if you feel like your family doesn't love you, you think people outside don't love you either. And it really messed with my self-esteem for years, um, back and forth up until teenage and then young woman and then things like that. But really as a child, I really did not understand, you know, why I was being treated this way, but it also just made me like, just not like me, Brandy, hmm. for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, 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 in fact, you, you, you're a beautiful woman. But, I, but when you, when you Thank said you. that, I, I could see a change in your face. Like your face sort of changed as you tell that story. And, and speaking of stories, there's, there's, a, there's a particular story that I really want you to tell because it was a very definitive moment. It's the story of the salad. Would you mind telling that? Wow. Uh, I was ten years old. And um, another, my cousin and I, we were playing. We always had, you know, everyone was always over our house growing up. And um, my father, who, you know, passed eight years ago. But uh, during the time, he, you know, called my mom and said, you know, tell Brandy and my cousin, don't eat anything. Um, don't make them play. I'm bringing something home. So for me, I'm thinking, oh, like, I'm going to get something good. Like, okay, is it some McDonald's? Probably, you know, kids, we love McDonald's. You know, so I'm thinking it's something great. And then when my father came home, he had these containers of salads. And he gave it to myself and my cousin. He said, this is what you guys need to eat because you need to lose weight. And I'm 10. And that's when it clicked to me, like, some, what is wrong with me? Mm. that I have, me and my cousin have to eat this, but the other kids can eat whatever they want. And that's when I was, that was a defining moment for me as a child. That's when my love-hate relationship with food really started and blossomed um, up until, you know, my young, you know, being a young adult, a young woman. And it was something that telling that story, like I, I can go back and I remember what I had on where the, my childhood home, the look on my face, the look on my cousin's face, and me looking up at my mom like, what's wrong with me? Mm. Mm. That's so rich, because what I'm hearing you say is that was the moment you realized you were kind of an outsider, different. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. It, it, that's very powerful, because there's so many people who are walking around who had to deal with childhood trauma, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, all, and, and, and it stems from that moment. The moment their world, however their world was constructed, made them feel like you're different. You're not enough. Yeah. yeah. And I already felt that way because, you know, other family members, like I said, will call me names. You know, I got teased a lot by family members because of my skin complexion. 
They will say, you know, my dad's the milkman, you're adopted because I look different from other family members. And, you know, hearing that and then this happened, you're just like, do I even belong in this family? Like what's going on? And it just really added more to what I was feeling as a child. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so two questions before I take this break, maybe three. Here's the first one. On a scale of one to ten, what, what was your self-esteem as a child? A two. Okay. On a scale of one to ten, what is your self-esteem now? <laughs> we got a hundred, honey. <laughs> you see all this? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> that, that was one of the best reactions I ever had to that question. I, first of all, I have no doubt that that's true. I believe everything that you just... <laughs> your whole spirit changed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, so you know, um, um, we, we got to talk about how this happened, right? We got to talk yes. about how does the insecure girl that feels like an outsider, a, a bullied, how does she become you? What happened? I would, honestly, it was um, my grandmother. Mm. It was, she, I look exactly like her in my family. They call me little Sarah because I look at, I'm her spitting image. And she really took me up under her wings when she saw how I was getting treated by family members. And, you know, she didn't play. She did not play about her baby. She will cuss you out in a heartbeat and not care. And she really embedded in me about loving myself and being okay with who I am mm. and telling me that, yeah, you, yeah, you're curvy. Yeah, you're big or whatever, but embrace it and love you. And she did that from, the, you know, from me being young until she passed uh, when I was, uh, 21. And so she really just instilled so much confidence in me. And it just really blossomed when I just realized that I am worthy. And I thank her so much. Like she is my everything. And, you know, I just, whew. yeah, no, 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 let, let that, let that out. Let that out. Cause that's, that's gratitude. That's love. Yeah, Like she, she saved me. Yeah. I was just about to say that. It was your grandmother who saved you. And, yes. when I, and when I say that, what does that do to you? It makes me realize um, how blessed I was to have her. Mm. Uh, makes me realize how much she's been gone for 20 plus years. So I miss her every day. Mm. And she saved me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because only what we love can be saved. Yes, and, every, and she just she made me love Brandy. Yeah, yeah. Listen, let, we got we got to take a break, but I'm enjoying talking to you. I really am. <laughs> I really. You have me. I'm messing up my makeup and stuff. Like I was like trying to be all like, let me hold it together. Okay, so so, so, so we gonna take a break so you can you can you can fix it back up. Okay. Um, but um, but listen, everybody, put it on me. Listen, everybody. Um, this is real. This is real. It's a journey. You know, Brandy's a beautiful woman, a strong, she has a spirit to her, right? You can tell. Um, but the journey has not been easy and I know yours hasn't been either. And as you watch her overcome, I'm believing that you will too. We're going to take this break. I want to hear more about what she's doing now and how it is. She has blossomed because of her grandmother's love. Lord have mercy. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Listen, 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 listen. My guest tonight is a work of art in every sense of the term. Brandy, let's let's get back into it. Um, so, first of all, like, like I said, your answer to my question, what was your self-esteem as a child and what is your self-esteem now, has to be one of the best answers I've heard to that question <laughs> on this show. I mean, I mean, I mean your, your ebullience came out. Like, the, I mean, the pride, Thank the you. love, the glow. Um, I, so, so, so I, I know you started something, I think it's called the curvy movement. Did I get it right? It, yes. I started the curvy movement. Um, I said, my son's 12. It was three weeks after I gave birth to him. And wow. yeah, I started the curvy movement because I wanted to showcase curvy black women, curvy women of color in the way that I was, that I saw growing up, which was my grandmother and my aunt's. And they just embrace their curves, elegance, class. You know, my mom and they would throw parties and my grandma was rolling up in her fur and her diamonds. And to me, that was normal. So I always saw curvy women in my family just on point all the time. 
And I felt like a lot of times, you know, when I started the movement, I didn't see that in the media or in the world. And I said, well, this is how I was raised. So I'm sure there's other women like that. And just because we're curvy doesn't mean we don't take care of ourselves. We don't like to get dressed up. We, we don't we don't have class or anything like that. So that's why what prompted me to start the movement. Mm. Well, listen, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of women watching right now, um, women who are curvy, women who are not so curvy, uh, just women generally who are watching, uh, who are getting a lot out of this conversation. Um, before we take another step, for, let, let's talk first to, 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 to your sisters who are curvy. What would you say to them tonight? What's your message to them? Own your curves and rock it. Like I tell people all the time, I got thunder thighs, thick thighs, and I love them. They are a blessing and a curse, and it is what it is. And I've always just been that way once I started loving who I am. And it's just being love who you are and accept everything about yourself. And because once you accept everything about yourself, no one can use it against you. And that's one thing I did. I embraced being curvy. So everything that was told to me when I was younger as being negative, I turned it into a positive and embraced it. And once I did that, it changed the outlook of how family saw me, how people interacted with me, because I was embracing who I was, embracing what they were saying was negative about me. Mm. No, that, that 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 is there's a lot of wisdom in that. So so if 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 you could talk to um Let's move away from women. All the little girls in America, black, white, native, uh, Hispanic, if you had a microphone to talk to all the little girls in America, what would you say to them? You are beautiful just who you are. You are special. You are one of a kind. And don't let no one mess with your mind or change who you are. Like, you are special. And you are unique. And we have to really tell our young girls that because they have more influences than what we, you know, we didn't have social media growing up. And, you know, so they see that thinking that's beauty and, and it's not. And they try to mimic that when all you have to do is just look at yourself and embrace everything about you and love you. Yeah, no. And it's a powerful word that you give uh, to little girls tonight uh, and a word that they need to hear. Something, your face changed when you were answering that. And I almost get the sense that you were you were talking to your little girl in you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you have to even though you are healed, you still have to talk to that little girl inside of you mm. and you still have to feed into her even when you're an adult. And I feed into brand, the little Brandy every day with my affirmations, with, you know, if it's, you know, playing my, you know, I call my empowerment hit list on my phone or just loving her because that's where it all started and you know going through the changes as a woman you know i'm 42 and my body has changed over the years you still sometimes have things that can trigger that little girl inside of you if you gain weight or if you go through something or someone says something so for me i'm always feeding in to brandy the little girl yeah yeah and and, and, you know i I was wondering um i'm gonna ask you a question just invite you to be really transparent, okay? Um, but, okay. But, but you're safe. Don't worry. Um, because I'm wondering tonight, do you ever worry about um, sort of going back to those former feelings or those former perceptions of yourself? M- maybe not to live there, but to visit longer than you should. Oh, I mean, I recently was there. Mm. You know, just going through that... Um, depression, uh, mental health issues run are heavy in my family. And we have to work extra hard to not go there. Um, but I recently was there, you know, I had surgery two weeks ago to remove fibroids and I wasn't able to be brandy for so long because of the pain I was going through. And it changed my lifestyle. Like I was depressed. I was just really trying to revamp who Brandy was, and you sometimes get stuck there. Even though I do what I do, and I'm an advocate, and I'm motivation speaker, all this stuff, but I'm I'm a human being. Yes. I'm a woman who still goes through things and who has to deal with these things on an everyday basis and fight through it to just still get up out of bed. And there's days I don't want to get out of bed, but I allow myself to feel that, but I, I don't allow myself to stay there. I give myself a time limit. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's that that's a part of the secret to winning the battle, right? Yes, a, a it's, of, it is. Go ahead. It really is. And because some people look at people like myself or whatever, and they think, oh, they got it together, or they don't have them bad days, or you don't hear them talk about it. I talk about it. I talk about all my bad days. I talk about all my experiences that I've gone through that I continue to go through every day because it's something that is a, it's an everyday battle, especially in the world we're living in, you know, being a single mother, raising my, you know, my son, it's, it's a battle just with that yeah. and putting everything else on top of it, just, you know, and then having the surgery and to the doctor says, okay, once you have this, you would never be able to have kids. Even though I'm done having my children, but just to have that taken away because of that condition I had, that was messing with my mind and my depression and my me questioning myself as a woman and all that. You know, this is something that I was just really dealing with and just I'm very transparent. I don't sugarcoat anything. Mm. I don't have anything to hide. Like, this is Brandy. This is who I am. Mm. Was today a good or a bad day? Today was a great day. It was a good day. I got to listen to my music, you know, did my meditation, my affirmations. I do those daily. Um, today was a good day. You know, last week was probably not a good day. Two weeks ago, was it was a hard day, a couple of hard days, but today was a good day. Yeah. No, I'm, 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 you know, if, if clearly I'm not a woman. <laughs> but, well, yeah, we see but, that. <laughs> and, and I'm glad you can. Um, but, but, you know, even as a man, I find your story to be inspiring. I find you to be um, someone that can really move people with your honesty and, and, and with your capacity and willingness to feel. I see why you are no longer where you used to be. Because a lot of people come on the show and, you know, they, I'm on TV, I'm on TV. And, 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 so, and so they just, they, they come on and say, I'm going to repress everything I could possibly feel. I just if I could just repress for thirty minutes, I can get. You didn't do that. You came on. No, and I, I don't. I don't believe in doing that. Well, what does that do for me as a woman? What does that do for anybody? I don't. Um, one thing my grandmother always would say: "Be you." Yeah. And if people don't like it, then oh well, there's the door. Yeah. And and that's just how I've always been. And you know, dealing with the weight, and then going into a abusive marriage, and getting out of that. And then having to deal with being a mother at 21 and then, you know, remarried and then divorce again. And then, you know, my son, it's like, I've been through a lot yeah. and I'm still here and I'm still going and nothing's going to stop me. And I don't allow Brandy to stop Brandy. Mm. You know, it's interesting. Um, before, before I let you go, um, I, when you were talking, I was wondering, and I wasn't sure if I was going to ask you this, but I'm going to ask you now. How do you feel like the, the your former self-esteem issues affected your relationships with men? Well, um, I came out at 39, so I do not date men. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. I didn't know. I didn't know. No, it's fine. I, I, have, I have a girlfriend, and uh, we've been together for two years. Hold, and, hold on, Brandy. Uh, two, three, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I came out, I'm 42. I came out when I was 39. And it was a liberating experience for me. And like I said, I, you know, it doesn't matter who you date, who you love, you've got to be healed and how you, your trauma, your childhood trauma affects your relationships, yeah. no matter who you're dating. Yeah. So for me, it's something that I work on to make sure and but, you know, affecting my it has has I mean, of course, it affects your relationship. To when I was making bad decisions and dating people, I shouldn't have been dating. Mm. Um, because one thing that I, you know, did before I'm in a relationship I'm in now, I back to back, I dated, I have three bad relationships. And I looked at what was the common denominator, Brandy. Mm. And we don't do that. We tend to just tell, oh, this person, no, but I was a common denominator. So I was like, what the hell is wrong with Brandy that I'm attracting these type of people who don't need to be in my life? So I had to go into therapy hardcore at the beginning of the pandemic and just really just dive into and did all the work. So I don't put out that energy to attract those type of people. Yeah, listen, listen. Um, I, I, I could talk to you for like two hours, easy. 
I, I could. I could talk to you for two hours. And 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 I, you know, and 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 now that I know more about who you are, you know, I I, I love you even more. I mean, it's it's just. I mean, Thank you. no, you are. I said it when I came back from the break. I called you a work of art, and little little did I know how much of an achievement you are. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, it's it's a lot. I mean, it's something even to the fact that um, last year I had to bury my ex husband who beat me, mm-hmm. and having the strength to do that was a lot. And, you know, even my, 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 you know, family members have to say like, this man tore you down and here you are 20 years later, burying him and taking care of all their arrangements. And I said, I did that because of the the love of my daughter, because she, you know, losing her father at 20, you're not able to handle a lot. And I had to go back and do that. And he passed away of COVID, but to go through that process of being healed and, doing what was right by him, even though he caused me so much pain, a lot of people can't do that. And I was able to do that because I was healed. And it, it showed a lot of people, my family and friends, like, well, damn, like you really just handled that with so much grace. And I said, well, doesn't matter. I forgave him years ago and he deserves a proper going away. You know, is, is, is it hard for, for the people in your life to see the new you? Oh yes, it's really hard. I mean, because I, they want to sometimes take me back there. Sometimes they do. Sometimes you get the other brandy, and she just ready to pop off and go off. And but I have to really check myself, and even tell you know you know family members I'm not her anymore. Hmm. And and once you are healed, there's a way to have healthy disagreements, healthy arguments, and you know not have it carry over for weeks or months at a time. But once you create those boundaries of the new version, you're going to get a lot of pushback from people who have not healed and who are not there and they can't see this new version. And I've had to create a lot of boundaries with people and in relationships and friendships because I'm just not her anymore. Mm, That's a great place to leave it. (laughs) That's the soundbite right there. I'm just (laughs) not her anymore. Woo! Listen, you got to come back and talk to me, okay? I'm, I'm, I would love to come back, and I'm on the West Coast, so, you know, I'm in San Diego, so I would love to drive up and come up. I really enjoy being on your show, and it's just amazing to be able to tell my story. Yes, well, we enjoyed having you. Uh, you are an achievement and a, and a gift. Um, listen, everybody, um, we, we, I got to take a break, all right, but, but I could have kept going. And I'm sure you could have kept listening. It's, it's just amazing to talk to amazing people. And it's amazing to have amazing people watch me talk to amazing people. You see how I did that? We'll be right back right after this. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Here's what I know for sure. That sometimes the path to living a good life goes through the process of getting good credit. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we have to work on the parts of our finances that empower us to get what we deserve. And one of the best rules that I know One of the best financial advice that I know is the three-week rule, and it may be the best financial advice ever. What's the three-week rule? Wait three weeks to buy a new car, wait three weeks to refinance your home mortgage, and wait three weeks to, to finance any major purchase. Why three weeks? Because that's how long the average ScoreMaster user takes to boost his or her credit score, an average of 61 points. And listen, 61 points added to your credit score can save you tens of thousands of dollars on everything we finance. ScoreMaster technology was developed by credit data scientists to boost your credit score higher and faster than you ever thought possible or even imagined. ScoreMaster is so easy. It takes about a minute to get started, and you don't have to wait months for your best credit scores. So how many points can you add to your credit score? Everybody say it with me. 61 points. Be sure to visit scoremaster.com slash bookashawn for the special seven-day trial that I have for you, all of my favorite viewers, which is all of you. That's scoremaster.com slash bookashawn. Again, that's scoremaster.com slash bookashawn. Because I want to say it again. Sometimes your best life is working your way to the place where your credit is also better. Yeah. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Before I do uh, ask Dr. Sean, let me just say a few words about Brandy. Um, great guest, right? Great spirit, great journey. Um, so transparent, so honest. And that's the way to get free. 
one of the things you'll notice when I do this show, I'm always trying to get people just to have greater levels of an authentic experience with me. Because the moment you sort of let it out, the moment you let yourself feel, is the moment you move closer to liberation. She is not just moving closer. Some parts of her are already liberated. And what you can tell from just encountering her tonight, she's going to be all right. And guess what? So are you. All right, Hiley, play the bumper. <laughs> Let's do some Ask Dr. Sean, people. You guys always send me great videos, and I appreciate your videos and your questions that you DM and email. Let's take a look at a video together right now. Hi, Dr. Sean. My name is Lisa, and I'm from New Jersey, and I need some advice. Dr. Sean, I received a career opportunity of a lifetime, and the issue that I'm having is I've never left the state of New Jersey for a job. So uprooting and leaving everything that I know and love and have built here, um, it's, it's kind of hard, but I'm going to take it, of course. Any advice for somebody getting ready to make such a drastic change in their life? Thanks. Great question. Um, yes. My first advice is feel the fear and do it anyway, which you, which you said you were going to do. Yeah, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be, have a certain level of circumspection, um, apprehension, right? I don't know because contingency and chaos and difference and change can overwhelm us, but some change is worth it. Sometimes you have to leap. Sometimes the only way to get there is to take a long leap in the dark and just to believe that what's going to happen on the other side is worth the trouble of leaping into the air. You know, um, one of the things I know for sure, you ready for this? As a parent, I know that, um, that my sons were not born to always be in the room that they grew up in. They were not, they were, matter of fact, let's, let's do it better. In the same way that they came out of their mother's womb and had to leave <laughs> because her body said that's enough. In the same way they had to leave the room that they grew up in because at some point they outgrew it and went to college. Life will say to you at a certain point, it's time to go. It's time to move on. You've outgrown it. I say this all the time on the show, and I'm going to say it to you. Change is life's greatest compliment. It is life's way of saying you're ready for more. You've got to feel the fear and do it anyway. When you have an opportunity to reach for something that you have never done before, it is the ultimate compliment because it is God's way of saying, life's way of saying, love's way of saying, you have gotten everything out of where you are. And if you stay there, you're not going to get another thing. What you really want is beyond what you know how to do. It's right in the middle of what you've never done. And that's where you are. So the way you ought to embrace this is God can trust me. Life can trust me. That everything around me is put me, putting me in this position because I'm about to do something, have something, and become something that I'm supposed to be. And the only way to get it is to leave the womb of New Jersey, is to go beyond the shores of where, what you've always done and where you've always been. And here's, 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 what I, here's what I also know, is that the way you honor the people that raised you and loved you and groomed you is to take what they gave you and to plant gardens in other places. It's one thing for you to stay in the little garden that you were raised in, but because you're from the garden state. You get the analogy? <laughs> it's one thing for you to stay in the little garden that you were raised in, but to go out into the world and to say, I'm going to take these seeds places that my grandmother and my mother could never go and, and never do. That is how you say thank you. You say thank you when you take those lessons and you take those lessons places and far beyond the places where you were taught them. You are right on the edge, perhaps, of the greatest moment you ever had in your life, and you don't even know it. So I'll say to you what the scriptures say to all of us. Be not afraid. And be not afraid of them. For he knows the plans that he has for you. The plans for your success and not for evil. To give you a hope and a future. You just have to go. And the courage to go is indeed the courage to be free. And as you do that, I promise you, the different manifold pleats of life will lay themselves gently and reverently at your feet. And you will discover that they are treasures beyond your mama's house. Woo. <laughs> Good luck, my sister. I hope I know you're going to do well. All right, somebody, do you have time for this one? I do. Okay. So somebody DM me this question. I'm a single woman looking for, I'm a single man. I'm a single man. I'm a single man looking for a wife. 
I battled with my sexuality in college and dated men and women, but now I only want to date women. Do I have to tell the women in my life about my sexual history, or should I just leave the past in the past? Okay, great question. Um, it depends on the relationship and the kind of relationship that you have with uh, the woman. Um, I don't think you've owed all the women in your life a confession <laughs> or a story. I mean, I, 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 when I say all, I mean like your sister, your niece. And, I, that's none of their business. You, 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 if you want to tell them, you can. But I don't think you, I think the women that you are seriously dating should probably know something about your history so that they don't ha hear it on the streets. Because nothing, nothing stays secret for very long. You know what I'm saying? So I think you boldly come to them and say, look, here's what you need to know. And as long as you have clarity, this is important, about what you're doing now, and you're confident in that, and you are secure in that, and you know that to be the case. Because one of the worst things you can do is to be, um, is to be uh, fluid in your sexuality, right? But then make someone believe that you are more concrete. So I'm assuming when you say you only want to date women now that you're concrete and clear about that. Because if you're not, then don't tell people that you are. But you say that you are, so fine. So since you are, give people more, more of your backstory who you date seriously and want to have a situation with. And give them that because you understand that they deserve to know. People can handle information if they know. Give people the option and the choice to stay because anybody who stays with you is there because they want to be with you. All of you, including your past. I love you. Thank you for tuning in. School is back and doorbusters are in session at JCPenney. Score best-in-class deals for your whole crew like $6.99 tees and $21.99 denim from Arizona Jean Company. Spice up your new space with Cook's Kitchen Essentials starting at $19.99. Hurry in store while they last or buy online now, pick up curbside later. Shopping is back and the savings are too. JCPenney. Doorbusters valid on select styles through 8-3. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark.